There are crime cases that we can't forget. The Junko Furuta case is one of them. This crime has left a terrifying mark on Japanese history, leaving many people unable to sleep peacefully through the night. Welcome back to our channel. Today we will turn back together the tragic case of Junko Furuta. The Junko Furuta case is a brutal story about a young girl who is kidnapped raped and brutally tortured in a house in Tokyo. For 44 days, she endured excruciating pain both physically and mentally, before finally being brutally murdered. The investigative reports also reveal the disgusting and macabre truth about the kidnappers' motives and actions. Even the fact that they dismembered her body was an act that few would have thought of. The details of this case make it unbelievable that people can be so cruel, and those images will forever be imprinted in the minds of those who have heard of this case. Join us through the door of darkness and discover the tragic case of Junko Furuta. Junko Furuta was born on January 18, 1971, in Saitama, Japan. She stayed at her parents' house where she was also joined by her two brothers. In high school, Furuta had a lot of friends among her fellow students. She attended Yashiomi Nami High School, where she graduated in 1988 after maintaining respectable academic standing and a near-perfect attendance record. After that, she began working at a plastic molding factory on a part-time basis. In point of fact, all she wanted was to put some money aside for her trip after graduation. However, she also secured employment at a retailer of electronic goods, and she intends to work there after completing her education. The young girl was regarded favorably by those who knew her, and she had a strong bond with both of her parents. Approximately 8.30 o'clock in the evening, she was riding her bike home on November 25, 1988, with the intention of watching the final episode of her favorite television show, Tombo. She won't be able to make it, sadly. I'm sorry to have to do this, but I feel obligated to provide you with some background information on the four jerks involved in this awful circumstance. 1970 was the year when Hiroshi Mirano, the leader of the four, was born. Although financially secure, the family struggled to function properly due to tensions that existed between the parents. As a young boy, he was the victim of both bullying and vandalism. After that, he attended a school where he excelled at judo but was tormented by the more experienced students in the school. After another half-year, he quit the club, and then another half-year after that, he left his school. Approximately at the same time, he became a member of a motorcycle gang and began working for a while as a tiler. After leaving the motorcycle gang, he gave off the impression of being content. After that, he put in a lot of effort to please his boss. He began living with Yasushi Watanabe's younger sister in the month of January. After getting to meet a Yakuza member through a former classmate, he began working as a techie, and finally, she left him. 
His dream was to one day marry her, but she left him after he began working for the Yakuza. In the month of May 1971, J. Ogura was born. Both of his parents divorced when he was a little boy, and as a result, he spent the majority of his childhood living with his mother and his sister. In January of 1986, he was skiing when he suffered a complicated fracture to his right foot. However, he displayed no signs of being bothersome after this injury. In November of 1987, he was kicked out of school for not putting enough effort into his academics. He planned to learn about electrical work at night school, but after a short while, he lost interest in the subject. In the month of December 1972, Shinji Minato was born. Both of his parents had medical professions. His father was a pharmacist, while his mother was a nurse. At the elementary school, he started making threats to teachers and shoplifting merchandise. The level of both his physical and verbal aggression increased throughout middle school. In addition, he defied his father's authority. His behavior deteriorated further. After completing junior high school in March of 1988 and beginning high school in April of the same year, he refused to attend school, refused to come home at night with good company, was belligerent at home, and eventually dropped out of school in September. Minato's room and the room of his older brother quickly became a popular gathering spot for troublemakers because his parents were so busy working. During the summer of that same year, his parents were unable to stop the aggressive behavior of their own kid. Yasushi Watanabe came into the world in December 1971. At the age of four, his parents went through a separation and eventually divorced. Soon after that, his father was killed in a car accident. His mother and his older sister took care of him when he was growing up. In October 1986, he was sentenced to probation for having physically abused a family member. He was charged with some misdemeanors in June 1987 and March 1988, respectively. He gave a few different occupations a shot but none of them held his interest for very long. It's unfortunate that all four of them attended the same middle high school, but Hiroshi was the oldest of the bunch. Both Watanabe and his brother had their own separate bedrooms in the house that Watanabe owned. These two rooms turned into a handout for a group of youths during the summer of 1988 when Watanabe's parents were at their wit's end and the situation was becoming worse. Both Ogura and his brother were in the same grade when they began frequenting Watanabe's house as their hangout spot. Under Hiroshi's direction, the gang acted in a manner consistent with that of the Yakuza. Hiroshi was in charge, but when he wasn't there, Ogura took over as leader and was responsible for making sure everyone else was taken care of. Now let's go back to what took place with this sad and blameless girl. It was around 8.30 o'clock in the evening. On November 20, 588, Hiroshi and Minato were riding around on motorbikes with the intention of robbing young women or raping them and taking their belongings. 
at approximately 8.30 p.m. When Hiro Shisajinko riding her bicycle home, he instructed Minato to kick that woman. As soon as Minato did it, he quickly ran away from the scene. When Junko lost her balance and fell to the ground, Hiroshi walked up to her and said, That one is crazy. I was just a few moments ago threatened with a knife. It is probable that the threat is still active against you. I would be honored if you would allow me to walk you home. After earning Junko's confidence, he convinced her to follow him into a neighboring warehouse, where he abandoned his cover story and sexually assaulted her while telling her, I am his mate, and we are both Yukuzas. As long as you continue to obey me, I will spare the lives of both you and your family. After that, he sexually assaulted her once more in a hotel room. After that, Hiroshi notified Ogura that he had been successful in raping the girl by calling Minato's house, which they frequently visited after hanging out at the hotel. After that, at 3.30 in the morning, Hiroshi, Junko, Ogura, Minato, and Watanabe got together in the neighborhood park. Following a brief discussion, Ogura and Hiroshi came to the conclusion that they should kidnap and jail Jinko Furuta. They came to the conclusion that they should retain her for a few days. They told her that they knew where she lived based on the notebook, and that if she tried to resist or escape, they would have the Yakuza kill all of her family members. They said that they had the notebook. The unfortunate girl was gang-raped multiple times during the course of the night. When she arrived at Minato's home in Adichi, Tokyo, where she had been transported, the girl was held hostage in the residence the whole time. She pretended to be the boyfriend's girlfriend in order to get away with forcing her to strip and masturbate in front of the other boys. On November 27, Junko's anxious parents placed a call to the authorities. In spite of this, throughout the months of November and December, they coerced Junko into calling her family three times. She had no choice but to confess to her parents that she had run away, assure them she was safe with her friends, and express her desire for the search to end. On December 10, after Floretta had endured hell for a total of 20 days, she suffered severe leg burns that rendered her unable to walk normally. Her hands had been battered by weights, and the fingernails on her fingers had split as a result of being beaten with bamboo sticks. She suffered significant bleeding as a result of skewers of cooked chicken being put into her vagina and anus. Needles meant for stitching were used to puncture her breasts. She burned both her vagina and her clitoris with cigarette lighters and cigarettes. She then stroked a hot lip bulb that had been placed into her vagina until it exploded on the inside of her. Despite the fact that she was being struck repeatedly in the face, Jinko was unable to breathe via her nostrils. When she tried to drink during the middle of her suffering, however, she immediately threw up which caused her to become even more dehydrated and made it impossible for her internal organs to process food and water. However, she was disciplined for ranting and raving on the floor. On that particular day, 
The kidnappers really advertised to their acquaintances that they had a girl hostage in their house who was available for sex. They said that the girl was their property. It is believed that approximately 30 men raped her. The home included a balcony, and during the colder months, she was made to sleep there without clothes on. A short while ago, Minato invited Tetsuo Nakumara and Koichi Ihara, two other young men, to visit him at his home. They proceeded to the room on the second floor where Yunko was sitting. She was wearing a shirt with long sleeves and a skirt that Minato had taken a few days before. They consumed cough medicine, then claimed that it was narcotics, got high and hung out outside the house. Furuta screamed in terror and attempted to flee the scene before calling the police. She suffered the consequences of her actions when she was discovered and caught. They used lighter fluid to set fire to her feet, which literally set fire to her feet. While Miyano sees Minato by the legs, Minato covered her face with a pillow. As Furuta shouted like hell, the parents were startled awake and went to check, but Minato reassured them that there was nothing to worry about. The group then went on to rape Furuta in a group setting. During this period, she was unconscious and looking unblinkingly at the ceiling while staring straight ahead without moving her eyes. She was left unable to walk after surviving an ordeal that lasted for 20 days because she had severe leg burns and terribly damaged muscles that affected her legs. Because the hand bones in both of her hands had been broken by the weights, she was unable to use either of her hands to do anything. After a period of 30 days, they started pouring hot wax into her face. They had already begun the process. Her eyes were injured as a result of her smoking and using lighters. Plier cuts and tears were inflicted against her left nipple. A warm light bulb was placed inside her vaginal canal. After that, she had significant bleeding from her vagina, which was followed by the insertion of scissors. It was also obvious that she was unable to urinate in the right manner. After being subjected to excruciating pain for 30 days straight, Junko's eardrums were irreparably ruptured by the fireworks. She had weighed 51 kilograms prior to the tragedy, but her body was just 35 kilograms when it was discovered. The majority of her hair had fallen out as a direct result of the intense mental stress and fear she was experiencing. We are able to read about what they did to her, but at the time, she was unaware of the next method of torture that would be used on her. Think about how much pressure that would put on a kid who is only 16 years old. The fact that the atrocities were committed while his parents were at home is one of the most unsettling aspects of this situation. They were afraid of their kid, so they did not intervene or call the police while everything was going on because they were afraid of their son. When the police arrived at the residence on one occasion, the parents pretended like they had nothing to hide in order to placate the officers. It was strongly recommended that the officers search the house, which they declined to do and then apologized for doing so. 
The Minatos stated that they were not interested in anyone else's business because they feared for their safety due to the fact that their own kid was getting more aggressive toward them. It appears that before Minato began to brutally abuse Janko, the woman shared lunch with Minato's family down in the basement at one point. The only thing that happened after Minato's mother begged her to go back was that her son struck her. Indeed, the parents were not permitted to go upstairs, much less peek into their son's rooms, when they were there. At the residence of the Minato family, the group subjected Fruta to 40 days of rape, beating, and other forms of torture. More than 500 men and young boys sexually assaulted Fruta in various ways, including vaginally, orally, and anal. On occasion, she was sexually assaulted by as many as 12 guys in a single day. The unfortunate girl pleaded with those who were torturing her to put an end to her suffering once and for all. As a result of the vicious assaults, her wounds were so severe that it took her two hours just to go downstairs and use the restroom. Despite the fact that they could see she was dying, they never stopped pounding her. She eventually reached the point where she was unable to use the toilet in the basement or even the restroom as a whole. The appearance of Furuda underwent a radical transformation. It was impossible to recognize her features due to the swelling that had taken over her face. She had an awful odor, and her body was deformed, both of which contributed to the lad's lack of interest in her. Another 19-year-old girl who, like Fruder, was on her way home from work at the time, was abducted by the boys and subjected to gang sexual assault so that the matter could be resolved. Minato made the decision to lash out at Furuta on January 4, 1989, after losing a game of Mahjong the night before. Minato's loss occurred the night before. Because of the intensity of his indignation, she ended up with lighter fluid all over her thighs, arms, stomach, and face. In addition to this, he lit her on fire. It's possible that Furuta tried to put out the fire but he eventually stopped responding to questions. She received blow after blow to the face. Wax that had been heated was dripped onto her face, and two candles that were not very tall were placed on her eyelids. She went into a fit of convulsions when she was booted, and she collapsed onto a stereo once her fit ended. She was gushing blood, and pus was dripping from the festering burns that covered her body. After that, they placed her inside a sack and wrapped her hands and wrists in plastic bags up to her elbows. She was thrashed continuously for two hours. In the end, she was unable to overcome the effects of her injuries and passed away. The unfortunate girl passed away, deaf and unable to see. Minato received a phone call from his sister's brother less than 24 hours after her passing informing him that Furuta appeared to have passed away. They hid her body by covering it in blankets and placing it in a bag out of fear of being caught and prosecuted. After that, they placed her body inside a 55-gallon barrel that had been filled with concrete. They began loading the barrel at approximately 8 o'clock, with the intention of throwing it in the ocean. But, in the end, 
It was left on a field in Kyoto, Tokyo. During the period that she was held captive, Fruity expressed multiple times how much she lamented the fact that she was unable to witness the series finale of Tombo. As a result, Miyano was able to locate the videotape of the episode and placed it in the barrel alongside Janko. It was not because he felt sorry for Furuta, but rather because he did not want her to appear before him like a specter. My opinion is that there is no such thing as ghosts. But in this particular instance, I wish there were ghosts. I hope that Junko pays a visit to them, torments them, and brings about the most painful death possible for them. Hiroshi and Ogora were taken into custody on January 23, 1989, for the crime of gang raping a 19-year-old female victim. After that, the police discovered women's underwear in their residences, which led them to believe the women had committed some sort of crime. Afterward, on March 29, two different police officers questioned them in separate rooms for the course of the interrogation. However, this time they were questioned in relation to a different murder investigation. Nine days before Jinko was taken from her home, on November 16, the previous year, a woman and her son, who was seven years old, were brutally murdered. In light of the fact that the crime wasn't solved and still hasn't been solved to this day, one of the officers casually asked Hiroshi a trick question, you mustn't kill someone, you know. Despite the fact that the officer wasn't referring to the murder of Jenko Furuta, Hiroshi assumed that the officer was trying to get him to confess to the crime. He was under the impression that Ogura had already admitted his guilt in the other room, so when he spoke, he stated, I am sorry that we killed her. They were all taken aback by the narrative because it turned out to be nothing more than a hoax played on them. The primary offender admitted, I didn't see Junko as a human being even when she was dead. Ogoro is quoted as saying, I thought that was her fate and felt nothing. She also claimed, I didn't think about why I was torturing her. When I was done, I didn't think about it either. Although it is said in the records that were submitted to the court that all four members of the gang expressed profound regret for their actions and promised to improve their standing in the community in the years to come. They traveled to the unoccupied space, and there they discovered an ancient barrel that had a putrid odor. The next morning, the 305-kilogram drum was hoisted onto a vehicle and driven to the police station. This process took place in the morning. Due to the fact that Junko had been deceased for more than two months, her body had suffered significant decay. Her tiny frame was covered in edema from head to toe. She also suffered from serious deformities, which brought about a total transformation in the way her face looked. Her identity could only be established by the analysis of her fingerprints. April 1st is the date. A second charge of sexual assault led to Minato's detention, and he was later re-arrested for the initial murder charge. Following that, Watanabe and his brother were arrested and brought into detention. The memorial service for Junko Furuto was held on April 2, 1989. 
due to the fact that the four individuals responsible for the atrocity were all underage at the time it was committed. Their names were concealed despite the appalling brutality of the murder. The judge stated that there was no phrase that could adequately depict the anguish that Jinko was experiencing. When they heard about Jinko being brutally beaten and tortured in court, one of the people in the gallery passed out. During the sentencing process, very harsh words were used due to the extraordinarily terrible and heinous nature of the violence that was committed against an innocent victim. There are very few examples of inhumane cruelty to be recorded in the annals of criminal history. Torture, rape, and acts of brutality are both random and persistent. Utter lack of humanity and any kind of respect for other people's humanity. Age-wise, Hiroshi, Ogura, Minato, and Watanabe were 18, 17, and 17 years old, respectively, when Junko was killed. They were automatically protected by specific regulations that only apply to people under the age of 18 since they were considered to be children. In July of 1990, the Tokyo High Court reversed the initial judgment and handed down the following penalty to the defendants as a result. Hiroshi Miyano, who was allegedly the ringleader of the criminal activity, was given a sentence of 17 years in jail by a lower court. Following the sale of the family home, his mother was given the mandate to transfer 50 million yen to Jinko's parents. The summer of 2009 saw his release from jail. Once more, he found himself in hot water. In January 2013, he was taken into custody once more on charges of fraud. Unfortunately, because there was not enough proof, he was let go without being charged with anything. Ogore was given a prison sentence of 10 years for his crime. Like mother, like son. Ogura's mother defaced Jinko's grave by smearing it with crimson paint as a form of revenge for bringing down her boys. Ogura was finally freed in 1999 and soon after tied the knot with a Chinese lady. He also re-established contact with members of the Yakuza. Ogura, who was 31 years old at the time, was taken into custody in May of 2004 and charged with the assault, kidnapping, and enslavement of a man. A sentence of four years in prison was handed down to him. Minato received a sentence of nine years in jail for his crime. He was eventually set free, and he married a Romanian. Yasushi Watanabe, who had been given a term of three years in jail initially, was given an increased sentence of seven years in prison in 2006. Minato's parents and brother were not prosecuted for their oles in Jinko's death. Nevertheless, their home, in which she was held captive for the final 40 days of her life, was demolished. A new house was built on the site, and the land now belongs to a different family. Additionally, the land where Jinko's body was left has subsequently been transformed into a park due to subsequent development. In such a violent circumstance, each side should get an eye. Hiroshi should have been hung, 
even if it would have been too fast and mild. The remaining three should have served far longer sentences. I favor execution. I favor the death penalty exclusively in this case. Japan's death punishment is seldom used. I'm certain that the only way to give the grieving family the greatest pleasure after this horrific murder is to execute the perpetrator, even though it won't bring Junko back. The judge didn't execute them since they were children and expected to change after serving time. Normal individuals with normal intelligence and compassion seldom purposefully kill others or animals for their own egocentric reasons. This is because the body responds badly when one imagines oneself in the victim's pain. These four mixtures failed to stop violence and torture. Junko was removed from her family and tortured on New Year's Day, Japan's most significant festival. This case haunted me. I have no clue what she was thinking throughout her month-long visit. Terror and hope. I can't believe such a kind person suffered so much. I'm furious that the four criminals are free after 28 years. Thank you for accompanying me in my journey to learn about the dark case of Genko Furuder. Together, we went through the horrifying details of this case and learned about who was behind the atrocities. I hope that we have learned valuable lessons from this case and will hold in our hearts true human and moral values. Let's stand up together to oppose crime and protect the weak in society. Be careful and see you on the next trips to other dark cases. Goodbye and see you again.